Public service announcement. Submarines. Should the whole thing just sink to the bottom? The ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something that we make and could just as easily make differently. David Graeber, 1961-2020. to Welcome to Blind Insights, a podcast we call A Haphazard Guide to Living, hosted by philosophy master David Olney and myself, a philosophy student, Tim Whiffen. I'm here today with David Olney. How are you, David? I'm very good because I'm not sinking to the bottom. <laughs> Joining us uh, in our underwater adventures <laughs> is Peter Thompson. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, uh, it's good to be uh, nautical by nature, Tim. <laughs> Who's going to make the dolphin noise? Oh, I don't know how to do that. that <laughs> well done. I knew he'd be a superhero and he'd manage to do it. <laughs> Excellent. Um, I, I don't have a particular agenda here today, David, but if I'm honest, I've seen a lot of uh, just, I don't know, pretty piss poor conversation about the submarines in uh, Australian media, mm. um, which is in some ways unsurprising. And, you know, Paul Keating has come out and said a whole bunch of inflammatory things. And there's been terrible articles in, you know, the Murdoch papers. And basically, I don't actually know that anything I've heard is worth knowing. Now, it's been a pretty amazing conversation without facts or yeah. meaningful inference. So that's, a, I guess we're here to yeah. talk about what's what's real and true. Well, I think a good place to start is the fact that the Liberal Party basically can't say boo because they're the ones that zapped the French deal. Mm. So the reality is the opposition took the affordable deal off the table and as a consequence of taking the affordable deal off the table, now there can't really be a meaningful debate within the parliament, mm. which then makes it really hard for there to be a meaningful public debate. So for something so important in terms of the amount of money being spent and having to train so many people and having to deal with radioactive material in Australian ports and in the midst of manufacturing facilities, all these critical issues, let alone the implications for national security. If the parliament can't have a reasonable debate and the media can't debate what was said in parliament, how the heck are we meant to have a decent debate? <laughs> well, let's let's start out with what the old French deal was going to be, uh, David. Do you, do you know many details about that? I, I know that they were meant to be for the time being, conventionally powered submarines yes. with a modularity that allowed NATO spec parts to be switched in and out. Is that anywhere near correct? Okay. The, the critical thing with the French deal is the French only make that boat as a nuclear boat. We didn't want nuclear boats. I think in the end we would have ended up, if we'd stayed with the French bell, b b the French boat, I think the last half would have been nuclear. Ah. Uh -huh. I think it would have had to happen because at the end of the day, we wanted a drive system that's never been put in a submarine. Right. So we were the, the initial plan for at least the start of the run was to take these French nuclear submarine designs. To take the hull and put a conventional drive in them that has never been put in a submarine. Oh, wow. Okay. Now, now we have problem number three because that's already a big problem. Now, the French would have solved that engineering. It would have cost a ton of money, but it would have got fixed because they're clever and we're clever. Together, it would have got clevered. But then we had the fact that we didn't want to have to use European missiles. Mm. We wanted to use tomahawks, which means we wanted an American weapons control system, which means the Americans would have had to have known a lot about the boat. Mm. The French didn't really love that idea. 
and for the French to build the boat in a way where that system could work effectively, the Americans would have had to share lots of information about very high-spec weapons control system. So we had a hull that's never not been nuclear, a drive system that's never been in a sub, mm. and we couldn't put the weapon system we wanted in it because no one would agree. That doesn't sound particularly hopeful. No, but at the end of the day, if we'd just gone, let's just have the French boat nuclear with the French weapon system right. and launch European missiles, it still would have been scary shit mm. and a lot cheaper. Enough for a middle, uh, like a, what are they, a middle power? Is that what they call oh, it? It still would have made us a genuinely scary middle military power because we still would have had a very, very cool boat and it would have embedded us with the French who have pretty good military kit right. and have naval bases at either end of the Indo-Pacific, the only country that does, have been doing maritime ops as a middle to major power in our region literally well, since World War Two, mm. so no more about it than just about everyone else. So we pretty much threw away an impossible sub that would have got sorted by just having what they could offer us and a long-term relationship with not the United States and the UK. Hmm. And instead, we have the $368 billion, holy shit, how did we spend this much deal? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the spending money thing is an interesting point because heaps of the commentary has been like, oh, but that would have been better spent on housing or health or yeah. whatever, any myriad of issues. But uh, you know, when if we take an MMT perspective, which if you're not familiar with listeners, you can go back and listen to some of our other episodes. You know, we're not taking the supply of submarines out of the private market, uh, no. especially. So there's no, not a huge inflationary no factor. Problem. Yeah. <laughs> you know, when you look that, I think the number I read that was the most reasonable number. Is it 0.15% of GDP over 30 years? Mm. Literally, if defense spending goes from point, oh, sorry, 2% of GDP to 2.2%, the submarines are paid for. Right. And we were going to go to 2.2 submarines or not. Yeah. So the cost in dollars over 30 years is not particularly significant. And security is either something you think about or something you think is unimportant mm -hmm. and rarely do people fall in the middle. So well, it's very difficult to make everyone happy on that debate. <laughs> well, Keating was very unhappy from this, this clip that I watched uh, this afternoon before I came in. He was super, super annoyed. Mm. I've written down this as a quote. So this is Keating. The Chinese have never implied that they would threaten us or said it explicitly. But what threatens us when he says what threatens us he means an invasion of Australia. So China have never threatened us, according to Keating, mm. in terms of an actual military invasion, which I think is, that's that's absolutely that's right. That's absolutely correct. But, I mean, do we look at things like cybersecurity and do we look at, not that anyone knows if anyone did a cyber attack against Australia, mm. and, and things like, let's say, Belt and Road infrastructure. Mm. Or the trade war since 2018. Is it sensible to look at those things as potentially threatening, or is that just us misreading the situation? No, it's all very credible that China poses a direct threat to Australia, but that doesn't mean it has to use direct means. Mm. Between cyber and trade war, that has a radical impact on our you know, economic development and our long-term security. Yeah. And part of what's hard to understand with submarines and part of what's so interesting with the deal is, okay, we get some Virginia classes in the 2030s. They will be submarines coming to the end of their lifespan and submarines of a certain type. In the 2040s, we will get something probably called 
you know, astute 2.0 from the Brits, by which time what a submarine is and does will probably have changed dramatically. So if you look at it at the moment, a submarine you know, is a surveillance device and a weapons platform. Now imagine a situation where it's the ultimate you know, surveillance, reconnaissance and intelligence asset with also the capacity to send drones out to listen or drones out to destroy things. That it is essentially the human hub at the centre of maritime operations where everything is sneaky-peaky. Right. <laughs> That's what a submarine is. So when Keating comes out and we could have had ludicrous numbers of Collins class. Yeah. No, we couldn't because they go chug, chug, chug. And you can find things that go chug, chug, chug. Yeah. And the other big problem is crew, crew, crew. Mm -hmm. Where are you going to get a crew? We struggle to get enough people who want to train to get their dolphins to be on submarines now. I'd say part of the reason we've probably gone a British boat is that many of our submariners are British anyway – we might as well make it easier for interoperability and swapping crews. Yeah, but what if we had a whole human wave of Collins-class submarines and we rafted them all together? Because Keating was saying that the Collins-class is perfect for defending Australia's territorial waters. But that's not what we're doing. If right. we look at the early part of the AUKUS deal, it's to have one British sub and three to four American subs based in Australian sub pens by, what, 2027? Yeah. So what it means is there will constantly be at least four more nuclear attack boats somewhere north of Australia lurking, mm. reminding China, you want the South China Sea? Guess what? You can probably have it. But if you push too far, sea lanes are international and will be maintained. So you're saying that the... Uh nuclear uh, drive of these vehicles increasing their operational range is actually key to their value. To lurking and terrifying people who need to be terrified. Which is two of the submarine's favorite food groups, right? Yep. Yeah. It's called sitting out there and waiting and going, ping, mm. because you're sitting on the bottom generating your own oxygen with a power supply that doesn't run out. Yeah, well, that sounds pretty good. But then I heard Malcolm Turnbull, and Malcolm Turnbull was very angry about the subs as well. And he was echoing some things that Keating was talking about as well, and he was saying that the weapons system and the nuclear facilities are going to mean that we're beholden to the United States until we can establish our own domestic versions of those of those facilities or that capability. Well, that's the interesting thing. If you look that the details released so far suggest that we will be using the same weapons control system as the Brits and that the Americans will be sharing something pretty similar to what they use. Right. So what it really is suggesting by the 2040s, the cost of doing this is getting so bad and the need to be able to work with allies is getting so important mm. that we are looking at the Brits and us having similar submarines, similar weapon systems, and the boat may be different to the Americans, but the operating system for weapons will not be you know, that different. So I think... There's reasons to go, oh, what are we getting? Well, what are we getting doesn't even exist. Mm. What we're getting is so far in the future. And if it really ends up being an integrated system, uh, that's pretty cool because at the end of the day, we'll be getting something better than we ever could have bought just as a basic client state. We're accessing things as a partner state. And as much as I have my doubts that we ever should have got back in bed with the British and the Americans to this degree, if you're going to do it, at least do it at partner level, not client level. Right. 
So you're not terrified that we'll have to have this uh, a necessary uh, relationship with uh, with the with the US and with uh, the UK until we have developed our own. No, because uh, we're never going to develop our own. Ah, you think we'll just be perpetual allies? We are now just in partner land. Right. And in partner land, it doesn't matter if the Brits develop it, the Americans develop it, or it's something like loyal wingman we developed here, the drone that can fly along beside JSF to protect JSF oh. and do strikes. That's Australia plus Boeing together. Mm. But it will be used probably by the Brits and the Americans as well. It's a little thing, but it's a thing at the scale of what we can do. So that's an interesting point. Scale, I guess, is an interesting thing that I I think that some of the public concern I've seen not integrate, which is, is there any rhyme or reason to thinking that Australia should be like a quote-unquote independent, like be able to direct themselves? I would like our thinking to be independent because that Mm. would be a first. Mm. (laughs) But in terms of kit, if we want good kit, the closest we could have got to independence would have been partnering with the French and having second-tier kit. Mm. And that's still a pretty good deal. But there's no point having second-tier kit unless you're going to think for yourself because you need to use that kit to its full potential. Mm. What we're going is to scary good kit mm. and not thinking. So of the two available options, thinking so we could use second-tier kit well or getting top-tier kit and not having to do much thinking of our own, we went the typical Australian path. So for people who are still questioning, why is it important that we have any control of the seas in the next, say, 30 years? Because no matter what happens with climate, no matter what happens with population, at the end of the day we grow food and we dig up shit that gets turned into things everyone needs, which means no one needs to invade us. But if you can control the sea lanes of how manufactured goods come in and food and raw materials go out, you own us. Mm. It's that simple. Mm. And in the two novels that talk about war in the 2030s, in both cases, Australia is blockaded by drone fleets and is taken out of the equation. Mm. Something like the, the the nightmare scenario that people were anticipating in World War II when the Japanese were yep. taking uh, taking control of the Northern Islands. Yep. Yeah. So you know, even in 2019, Defence pointed out to our political dimwits uh, the Chinese are about to make a deal to retrain, rearm the entire PNG military and police force. Really? And allow the Chinese to build a base in Manus Lagoon. What? Is this this is a thing that's happening? No, it nearly happened. Huh. Thankfully, you know, Uniform Defence explained to Dum Dums that we should probably do something about it. Yeah. And China was so angry when we agreed with PNG in America to develop something in Manus Lagoon that they stormed out of APEC. Uh, before the communique could be written and weren't there for the whole final Sunday. It's the biggest tantrum the Chinese have ever had at APEC. Now, Manus Lagoon is still empty because we're idiots. Mm. What what are we doing in the region? Do we have any kind of... Uh, cohesive policy in the region to uh, uh, to do good aid work so that countries in our region aren't so vulnerable to maybe predatory development loans from, from certain We have certainly countries? done more about this in the last 18 months than in the last eight uh, years. Okay. I still think it's profoundly unspectacular. Right. But when you're starting at minus 10... <laughs> then one's okay. One is actually pretty fierce. Right. So I still look at it and go, meh. But relatively speaking, compared to where we were, it's outstanding. And part of what we're seeing here with the submarines too is after 9-11 and really even during East Timor, Australia understood defence as army. An army was cool dudes in funny berets doing scary shit. (laughs) And some other guys went along too to do security. 
that era is over and for the foreseeable future navy is the central pillar for making sure that our sea lanes still work and that we can remind people we need to remind that sea lanes will remain open and will be open to everyone because we actually believe in and benefit from a rules-based order that says if we can all travel around safely and trade safely as much as it's unfair it's better than the alternatives. So in that case should we see signs of disappointment from Beijing perhaps as as an indication that we're doing something right that the fury over the pivot away from France to um AUKUS is actually a good thing. Well the Chinese were almost as unhappy about the French deal as this deal. All oh, right. The difference is that deal they couldn't really have a tantrum in public about. This one they can go to the various international nuclear agencies and go, you know, Australia's playing the game in bad faith, which is what they're already starting to do because it's got nuclear propulsion and they're arguing we're breaking all sorts of treaties. And most of those organisations, other than the ones where the Chinese have spent 30 years stacking them, tend not to a degree. So in reality, any time we look at being able to control sea lanes, our own, and maintain a rules-based order access to sea lanes, the Chinese aren't happy because at the end of the day, the century of humiliation had such a deep impact and Xi is pushing so hard for them to be a global power when in reality, the history is never being any more than a regional power. Mm. So after a really difficult century, they're aspiring to be something they've never been with a fleet that is huge but in the main can't go more than a 1,000 miles from shore because they can't resupply yet. Yet. And now that we're not allowing them to buy chips, this will slow development pretty dramatically, which yeah. makes us getting scary boats more significant in the 2040s. But really, I think the thing they're having the biggest tantrum about is the thing they don't talk about, and that is three to four American nuclear attack boats and one British nuclear attack boat based in Australian subpens consistently hunting in the region. Yeah. Because, you know, I'm always for a wolf pack. <laughs> the only way that Bambi behaves is when it thinks you're going to have its throat ripping out. Wow. I've seen some calls about, you know, this being bad faith acts from the military-industrial complex. and The, the military-industrial is... complex doesn't know anything other than bad faith. Yes, okay. So is there foul play in terms of uh, this deal being more profitable for certain entities? No, because they're always making money. And if we okay. look at what's going on in Ukraine at the moment, BlackRock, the biggest financial organization in the world, has agreed that Ukraine will never run out of money to prosecute the war and that when the war is won, BlackRock pays to rebuild Ukraine. So the 1% of America get rich either way off Ukraine. Who's BlackRock, David? Biggest financial company in the world. Significantly in terms of what we're talking about here, hmm. I think on average own 20% of each major US defense industry. <laughs> ah, okay. So right. the 1% of America love every deal that is long-term beneficial to the military-industrial complex. Yes. So I guess what I'm asking is, do you think that that did they play any part in transitioning from French to Orca submarines? I can't imagine that the Morrison government could deal with the fact that the way to solve the French submarine problem was to just buy French nuclear boats, have a French weapons control system and fire European missiles. Right. That's, so, that was beyond Morrison thinking. So the default <laughs> was 
well, the Americans and Brits will give us cool toys because we're their ally and we go into every dumb war they think up. Okay. Hell yeah. So, but, okay, so if we look at the nuclear element of that, what effectively was said was we can't be seen to make the choice to have nuclear Yes. The capability. Yep. Uh, so we have to put ourselves in a position where we Which have no choice. other choice. Precisely. <laughs> but to yep. have nuclear. That's wild. Okay. Yep. I think that's actually probably that's the kind of perversion that would have been the Morrison Dutton conversation. Hmm. Excellent. Well, uh, I feel enlightened. A little bit scared, but there's gee, nah. there's, there's so much stuff to unpack with there. With Don't be scared. It's China a, and it's Ukraine. Twenty forties before we get a cool new boat to function in a new environment where a submarine, like I said, is essentially the human decision-maker sitting closer to the battle space. Right. Yeah. Until then, we're still thinking in terms of old submarines as surveillance, reconnaissance, intelligence, and weapon systems. But you know, we're still thinking like it's a conventional weapon, not like it's a way of putting the decision-maker closer to making decisions, mm-hmm. which is what I imagine they'll be by the 2040s. Right. Yeah, some kind of force multiplier that yes. might synergize with our regional allies and help us to achieve more maybe than, than they would otherwise be able to achieve without our own. help. Because yeah. this then sends the signal to the Japanese, like, you guys offered us a dumb shit boat, one model old. Yeah. Why didn't you just offer us the real boat, the one that the Japanese had just started building and using? We'd probably have Japanese subs and it would have been simpler. Mm. And mm. we still would have worked closer with an ally and it would have been a new ally. Yeah. So either way, by not taking the Japanese or the French deal, what we guaranteed is we don't like thinky, thinky bad. <laughs> so expect very complicated boats built by very clever people, managed by people in suits who are elected who don't do thinky. Or take responsibility to thinky. No responsibility for thinky. Mm-mm-mm. Oh, I'm, I'm scared and excited. <laughs> Great way to be. That's the way to be Bambi in the forest. Thank you both. Thank you for listening to Blind Insights. If the ideas of this episode have inspired you, please consider subscribing and sharing with your friends. Do them a favour so we can make a better informed and connected world. Thank you to Solstice Podcasting for use of their studio. If you're interested in making your own podcast, find out more at solsticepodcasting.com.au.